0: Hi folks, it's uh, GOK number 37. And uh, today I want to talk about parenting because on on Nobody's Listening, I went off quite a bit on parents and kids. And I feel like I want to, I definitely want to vent just a little bit about parenting and about way folk, the way a majority of people seem to want to do it these days, bottom line is I see parents... Allowing their children simply to do whatever the flip they want to do, they're letting their kids raise themselves. And well, I, I guess I just need to I just need to go and take you to a place called the Walmart toy aisle. Ever since I've been a grown up, I have every single trip to Target or Walmart or any any other you know store like that I've gone and walked the toy aisle I do that because I was never allowed to as a kid and I like looking and seeing what what is new especially you know lately the lego aisle stuff like that my kids also benefit because they get to see stuff side effect has been that they've learned to be able to look at things and not 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 pitch a fit when they don't get what they want Reason i to take you to this place is because this is a uh this place allows kids to really show what they're made of and also parents what they're made of. The first example I'll give is the cuz I see this so often, it's the child who is faced with the possibility of purchasing anything they want. They've got a certain amount of money apparently from a birthday or Christmas or a grandparent or They've, they've been promised it or whatever, and there is a child that c- cannot make up their mind. Because why? Because kids cannot make up their mind. Why is that? Because kids don't do good when they don't have limits, when they don't have structure. They crave it. They value it. But I'm getting ahead of myself. So in this situation, you've got a kid that can't make up his mind. He could literally buy anything, but he's walking between three or four aisles because he, he, he's got enough money for two or three things. Sometimes you want to add to this situation a kid that has money and wants two or three things but can't put back one of them and so is trying to you know, bargain for more money or is freaking out because he simply doesn't understand why he can't get two things instead of the one who cares what the price is, right? Okay. Always with this is the parent. The parent is always irate. Parent is always angry. Parent is always being impatient, but yet expresses this not Well, no, they express it. They freaking express it as if they were a sibling. You need to hurry up or we're going to leave. You better hurry up or we're going to go. You're making me very mad. Just pick something and let's go. Let's go. I mean, they're yelling three or four aisles down. You know, you can hear them going on and on. The kid's whining. But in most cases in this scenario, the kid is in more control of the situation and themselves Then the parent, there's no reason to whine because all of the warnings and all of the, all of the uh, statements and threats are bull crap. And they know it, they known it from the day they were born because this parent has never followed through with anything they've said they're going to do. So in this situation, you know, it it just, I've seen it again and again and again and again. And the parents will do this false fake walking off thing. Well, I'm done. We're walking out of here. I'm leaving. And the kid just kind of sits there, you know, and waits because they're going to come stomping back in a minute. I don't understand why people allow their children to have that kind of control over them. If there's going to be a dysfunction, at least let it be in your favor where you're making them cater to you all the time with no concern about their feelings. I I would imagine a a dysfunction of that. Not that I suggest it, but it's a little more, it would make sense to me because at least it's self-serving. It benefits you as a parent. I have a child in complete and total. I'm controlling them. They have no will they have no personality, they have nothing of their own, but I am sane. Whereas in this situation that I see so many times, the parent is frazzled and and, and, and something that should be the most fun thing in the world, a kid picking out a toy. As a child, I used to have, um, they used to offer these, uh, these, uh, Shopping sprees, you know, at Toys R Us. And I, all oh, my sisters and I would just imagine and, and talk about what would we get if we had a, you know, a 60 second shopping spree or a five minute shopping spree. What would you get? And would you get multiple things? You know, would you get all this stuff? And we'd talk about it. And I can't remember what all we got, but it was like the biggest thing in the world. If somebody had given us $50 and said, you can get anything you want on this aisle, it would have blown her. It would have been the best thing. It would have been memory-making for life. The closest I ever came to it as a child was my grandmother. She would have us work around the house and uh, then take us out to the Kmart's or the Woolworth's. And uh, I remember one time I got myself a Smurf bumper car toy. It had a cardboard little area and two little bumper cars and, and they would bump into each other in the edges. And it was awesome. And I bought it and I picked it out myself. And I don't remember it being some big, hairy, stupid thing. Something that I treasure to this day. But that child in my situation, in the, in the, in the setup that I told you about is robbed of every bit of joy. The only joy he gets is some sick, sick and twisted be- benefit i guess or or whatever from from knowing that they're manipulating their parents and controlling them it's like if you're going to be a butt mom and you're going to be impatient and if you're going to not tell me what i need to do then i'm going to torture you and i am going to do it on purpose I, I well, what's wrong with that, James? What's wrong with that? Well, let me tell you why I have a problem with it. Because in my situation with my kids, I, I'm not bragging. I can't brag about my kids' good behavior. And I can't brag about my own ability to parent them, first of all, because I'm not perfect. But second is because I have to work really, 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 really hard. So I if if it came natural, if it was something that came easy to me, then I could take credit. All I can say is my kids did not come out the way they are now. They are better than they were. And I think what happens is what I see is I see babies that are born and for, their, for a period of time, a baby is supposed to get everything they want and everything they need. And by default, they know to, to get that, they just need to scream and holler and freak out and we check them. You know, are you poopy? Do you need to eat? You know, uh, is there something poking you? you, Are your clothes, you know, are you pinched in a, you know, in in a something in some Velcro or whatever? You got your head stuck between the bars, you know, whatever. But as the child grows, and I'm no parental expert or no disciplinary expert, but as the child is able to understand and comprehend, and maybe even a touch before when they start to do things, when they start to reach out to touch things that they're not supposed to, the television knobs or, or a candle flame, I believe that you're supposed to discipline them. Meaning, discipline in my, my world used to mean abuse because I had a, I had a mil, militaristic uh, stepdad and he would talk about discipline and I hated that word because it just meant I was going to get beat on a, quite, quite a bit for doing almost nothing. Um, I have since found out that discipline is a wonderful word because it doesn't just mean punishment. It means the balance of everything that we do as parents to help our kids to become better than what they are. We create a microcosm. A microcosm is a world inside of a world. And we create a microcosm that helps to... Well, let me back up. Let's let's talk about the big world. In the big world, if you obey the rules, you generally in the world, you know, in general, you benefit. Okay, when you breathe oxygen, uh, and you and you do that, you you benefit. When you do not breathe, when you break the rules and you breathe water. You're going to drown. Okay. So nature's kind of set up. But on the other hand, on the other hand, in, in reality, because of human nature, it's not always the case. Sometimes when you do the wrong thing, you benefit. You, when you lie, when you sell drugs, when you, you know, cheat around and, and, you know, decide to do wrong things, bad people sometimes and a lot of times benefit. Or they're paid more, or you can front, and people will buy that uh and then the people that teach school and pick up our garbage and take care of our children and preach sermons and things like that I mean there's exceptions to every rule, but for the most part, the folks that do the most important jobs don't get ahead. I go to conferences sometimes for ministry. And I look around at all the trendy, wonderful, happy people, and I realize that most of the ministry is not done by the people, the thousands of people in these auditoriums. They're done by the people like the the, the Mother Teresas of the world, except you don't know them because they're not doing stuff that people really enjoy. So that's the world, This this dualism of... The, the right things sometimes help you. Sometimes doing the right things hurt you. And sometimes doing the wrong things benefit you. So in this microcosm world that I create for my children, my job, I feel, is to exaggerate the consequences of both good and bad behavior. I am creating almost a false world inside of the world. But it's not false. It's just... A microcosm it's a it's a it's a tiny little bubble, and that bubble is cre is is their home, their church their extracurricular activities, their school, and their relationships and so inside of this microcosm, I exaggerate the consequences consequences can be good so when my kids do something great that's rewardable, um, I, I talk them up or I praise them or I straight up bribe them or reward them. And when they're bad, I, I exaggerate the consequences. Because sometimes you can lie, like I said, and, and you get out of things. I got to make sure that when they lie as much as possible, I catch them. And I make them pay. Now the problem with most parenting styles that I see these days is they do one or the other. They're either total disciplinarian freaks. And like my, my, my stepdad was, there's no love. There's no compassion. There's just this desire to bend the will of the child. And to me, that's not discipline. That is, that is borderline, if not all the way, uh, you know, just abuse. And then on the other hand, we've got folks that desire nothing but their child's happiness. They want their kid to be happy. They want their kid to be rewarded and to see the good in themselves and um, to have a life that was better than theirs, which I think is the goal of every parent. But for some reason with this generation mine included, I think, it's, I think it's mine and then, and then all the way to the, the folks that are having kids now. There's this thing where we want our kids to have all the stuff we didn't have. And so we raise them on a set of rules and a set of needs and shortcomings that they don't even have. And they benefit from a background that they don't share with us. It's also complicated by folks that are divorced and remarried and things like that when when your kids are sharing homes they have two rooms they have two you know a stepmom in one a stepdad in the other and um grandparents in the in the wings and everybody kind of whether they realize it or not they're all trying to make up for some guilt trying to make this kid happy trying to maybe even outdo the other parent to be the good guy To be the good one. And that doesn't benefit the child either. They're in control of both situations. And they don't have any boundaries. And they don't like it. So, James, you've said twice that kids love boundaries. I've never seen a kid that loved boundaries. Well, that's because (laughs) maybe you've never put kids in boundaries. But here's the deal. In children's church, when I used to be a children's pastor, yeah, you know, these kids would go crazy, and and they, you know, the only discipline I could dole out besides, you know, extreme stuff, was you know the timeout chair, which I thought was ridiculous until I got in that situation. It's all you got, so you use it. You know, it's wonderful. So a kid that wouldn't sit in his chair, wouldn't sit still, was told to sit still, will go in the in in the timeout chair and we'll sit there. We'll sit there for 10 minutes without moving and then go back to their chair and be good. Why would the kid not be good in the first chair and will be good in the timeout chair? I, I used to not understand it until I thought about it a little bit. And I realized that's because kids need structure and they need limits and they need boundaries. That kid on the aisle with the toy and the and the and the money has no limits and no boundaries, and so he can't make up his mind. It's the same thing at a. I was at a kids' camp and they had a they had a salad bar for children, and the line there wasn't but fifty people in the whole kids' camp it took an hour to get through because kids couldn't figure out what is that? Is that cheese or is it is it cut up carrots? Because I don't like carrots. And then there's five different you know sauces. Which one? Or, 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 you know, ranch or, or blue cheese. I don't know. I, they're all white. I don't know what, what is what. It was the dumbest thing in the, in the world. Even, even the other days they were like, do you want chicken or do you want a hamburger or do you want a hot dog? It's like, no, just give them a hot dog, give them a hot dog and then give them a hamburger the next day. You know, kids can't think, uh, they can't think fast and they can't handle a lot of choices and stuff. It's just, it's one of them. I mean, it's one of the things kids are not known for. It's why they're, they're not holding a lot of, you know, government positions or positions of power. We kind of wait till later on when they can be a little more decisive. So I think it's downright cruel to give a child just free reign to not give them boundaries, to not tell them that they are not the most important, thing in the world. Because when you're a baby, you are. But like I said, as as they reach for the doorknobs and as they reach for the candlelights and they pull things down, you pop them on the on the butt or you tell them no and you set them down or you pull them away. And and you have to be consistent. And they have to know, they have to be able to predict that every time they do this, there's going to be a discomfort. And now I go back to my microcosm again because how do you exaggerate the benefits and the consequences. Well this is this is the thing is because sometimes doing bad seems to have a benefit I it is my job and it is your job as a parent to exaggerate the consequences so they outweigh the benefits. Because there is a benefit to doing wrong. That's why it's tempting even for grown-ups. There's a the temptation for grown-ups. I don't know, just some of them uh, would be one to slack off at work and look on Facebook. You know, your benefit is it's fun. It's a lot better than doing what I was supposed to do. I'll do that later. I'll cram it in later. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, another example would be not taking out the garbage. This is some bachelor, you know, that just says, I'll just throw the bag over here. You know, the benefit is you didn't have to go outside, raise the garage, throw it inside the stinky trash can, walk it all the way back in, hit the garage again. You didn't miss your show. It's great. The, the, uh, consequences later on, you know, two days later are going to be your, your kitchen smells bad, but, uh, it's not a big deal, right? Because I, uh, the benefits, my favorite example for the kids would be a kid, not doing something you want him to do. So what do you do? You send him to his room and he goes in his room and he turns on television or he plays his Xbox or he gets on his phone, going to your room that kid, the punishment. Well, let me, let me back up. I didn't do the whole thing. Go to your room and clean your room. No, I don't want to clean my room. Says the kid. I'm not cleaning my room, mom. I'm not doing it. Well, go to your room right now. Okay. So now we're back and he's playing Nintendo. He's got his Xbox going, whatever. So did your punishment outweigh The benefits, because there was a benefit a benefit to saying no. The benefit is I don't have to clean my room. Yes, you're mad at me, but I don't really care because I don't respect you. But you wanted me to clean my room. I said no. And so now I got sent to my room. My punishment was going to my room. Now I don't have to clean my room still. And I got Xbox time. It's awesome. So did the benefits outweigh the consequences? Absolutely did. There were no consequences. And I think that is the key issue with so many things that folks and parents try to do is they don't create boundaries and they don't have real consequences. They don't have standardized consequences. I'm not saying that you have to predict everything your kids are going to do and, and, and you have a preset set of consequences for everyone. What I'm saying is that there's a consistency in what your response is. You're never going to know what kind of crap your kid's going to just imagine to do, especially if you have a boy, you know, the, you're going to walk into the room one day and they're going to have the dog tied in with, with toilet paper up to the, the bar, hang, you know, hanging over the toilet or something. It's It's just ridiculous what boys are capable of. But they need to know – that when they cross the line into bad behavior, that there will be a response. Absolutely will. And that that response from you is going to outweigh the benefits of doing the wrong thing. Toilet paper example. It's very fun for kids to sit on the pot and play with toilet paper. And they unravel about half a thing of it and they're playing with it, folding it, throwing it, spicking it. You know, I used to, put it in the toilet, flush the toilet, and unroll, you know, all that kind of stuff. Why is that a big deal, James? Because in our home recently, I found out my kids were going through a toilet paper roll and a half. And I'm like, oh my gosh, my kids' butts must be the cleanest in the entire world or somebody's playing with it. And so I didn't have any, you know, I I, I only got two kids. So it wasn't the dog and it wasn't me and Jen. So it had to have been one of them or both. So I told them and the behavior stopped. The, the, the toilet, all, all of a sudden the toilet rolls are lasting. They're lasting longer. I, I've not asked my wife about the, uh, you know, the accumulation of poop on their underskivs, but I'm assuming that uh, that's still under control. The reason that my word meant something is because they know that if that behavior didn't change, there would be consequences. They always get a warning. Always get a talking to. I'll even pull Jenna aside because Jenna, my daughter, she's one that won't do anything so much to where they deserve uh, straight up punishment. They'll do little things. It's just a little attitude or a little this or a little that, a little picking on Jay, a little bit of this, a little, little, oh, I forgot to do that or, oh, I'm delaying my response. You know, It's just little stuff. So I'll set her aside. I said, Jenna, For the last two days, I've noticed, boom, boom, boom. You've done this, this, and this, and 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 it's all connected. And you are working your way into getting, you know, some some losing some TV time, some computer time, or doing some extra chores. Blah blah blah. And and I just want to let you know. And sometimes it continues. Boom. We have to do what we said. But the, but most of the time, most of the time it doesn't. So. What am, I, what, am I, what am I saying? I'm saying, parents, when you, when you say something, or first of all, have, have a line. Have a, have a vision for your kid. My kid, this is good behavior. This is what I want. Anything that drives me insane, anything that hurts other people, anything that is wrong, I don't want them lying. I don't want them cheating. I don't want them stealing. I don't want them whining. Pretty much what you need to do is get a vision in your head of what you want them to be when they're grown. And then anything that they start doing that's going to screw that up, you have to stomp it. You have to punish it. You have to make it uncomfortable for them to continue it. And the things that they do that head them in that direction, you praise. Now, you heard me say earlier, I said praise. I said talk them up. I said reward um, because on, there is the punishment side, but I've got to talk about the reward side. Um, I don't believe that everything needs a reward because one thing I want my kids to learn is that doing good has its own rewards. Just like doing bad just makes you feel like crap sometimes. There are some things that you need to do. Brushing your teeth every day is not going to get you a Popsicle. Not only for the fact that the Popsicle would undo the toothbrushing, but just because you need to brush your teeth. I don't want you 25 newly married and going to your wife and saying, I brush my teeth. Can I have a peppermint? You know, can I have a slap on the back? Can you, can you praise me? No. So for good behavior, there's no reward. Good behavior is expected. Good behavior is mandatory. It's the minimum requirements. Absolutely minimum. It is what I expect. Now, between minimum and maximum is what I call the re- the great behavior zone. This is for you know I don't know if 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 like my like my son Jay he was uh, he was reading but he wasn't reading very well. We worked together and he ended up beating his hundred word goal or hundred I'm sorry hundred word hundred book goal and he read like hundred twenty books before the end of the year. He worked really hard. I kind of worked hard too, but, um, I let him feel that I let him enjoy that. And then afterwards, man, um, there was, there was a reward of some kind. I don't remember what it was. Maybe it was a little Lego set or something like that, but there was something to that because for him reading, um, was not easy. It did not come very smooth and and not easy. And so, because he worked so hard, that's rewardable. That is above good behavior. That is great. Good would have been reading 50 books that, that I would have been fine with for him, Jenna hundred books. Plus if she didn't do it, she'd have been in trouble because that's the way she's wired. Um, it's, it's different for every kid, but I know that, uh, or my kids know, well, let me back up. Let me say, You know, eating your dinner, for instance. I'm not going to bribe my kids to eat their dinner. You have to eat your dinner. You've got to buckle your own seatbelt in the car. You've got to do your homework. You uh, have to keep your room clean every day. Um, You have to take your um, laundry to the laundry room when your mom asks for it, and you have to put it back away when she's done. These kids have certain sets of things that I do not bribe them for. I do not... um, even give them an allowance for because it is expected. These are the base things, anything in that, in that category, uh, you know, going out and playing and being able to, to entertain themselves for a little while. None of that is rewardable behavior. Um, early on when my kids didn't know how to potty in the potty, Um, peeing in the potty became rewardable behavior. We had a little Skittles jar. They got one little Skittle. Jenna learned how to work the system. She would do multiple little spritzes (laughs) kind of like a spray bottle and, uh, and, and get her, get her, you know, your Skittle. Of course we realized that. And all of a sudden you had to do more to get, you know, your Skittle. You had to, you had to take care of business for real. So you always have to, you know, I think the main reason why people don't do parenting right is because it's hard. They think it is everything to do with parenting, to do it properly means less time watching movies, podcasting, playing with stuff, you know, hanging out with your friends, uh, you know, doing things for you. That's, I think the honest to God truth is people are selfish and they're clueless. But the thing is, I Get to do a lot more stuff than those people that are trying to avoid parenting get to do. You know why? Because my kids can go five minutes without having to run over to me. Like like we went to this uh, swim meet, and I'm and I'm we're sitting around these parents, and I'm, and the parents are trying to have a conversation, and the kids are coming up all the time. They won't let the parents down there. The the leaders won't. So all the kids have figured out. Oh, I, if I, I need to go and talk to my mom every single time. You say, well, what's wrong? what's the problem with that? Well, my kids didn't come running up to us because they know better. They know we would send them right back down. You're not supposed to be up here. What are you doing? You need to stay where you're supposed to stay. They're watching you. They're taking care of you, and we're up here watching you. And, and uh, that's what I would tell them. But they don't do it. You know why? Because they're secure. They know we're there. They know we're watching. And they're talking. Their friend's having a blast. And we're talking to each other, having a blast. And it's awesome. It's great. I don't have these needy kids that need a friend. I jokingly said in the in the podcast that that what I heard those children saying to their parents was, "You have hovered over me, and you have you have over uh, what do you call it? nurtured me to the point that I can't even relate to other kids. I can't go five minutes without needing someone to worship me and think that everything I say is awesome. and Those kids just aren't doing that, so I had to run up here. To make sure that, first of all, that you know, your focus was on me completely and because I can't relate to those kids because I need you. That's the other thing. Parents sometimes live vicariously through their children and they need those kids to need them. And so they do over nurture and they do hold them back and they hold them close and it comes off as super parenting, I call them super moms and I might take some heat. I, you know, I could honestly care less about that because this is the truth. I've seen what over nurturing does to boys and girls. And it's that same, you know, there's nothing wrong with being organic. There's nothing wrong with homeschooling. There's nothing wrong with a lot of that stuff. The motivation for a lot of that stuff, on the other hand, though, can be very, very much so. You know, if, if you're breastfeeding your kids till they're eight years old, I'm sorry, but I don't care what science says and I don't care what is normal. Let's forget about the Internet. Let's forget about arguments. Let's forget about Leachie League and all that stuff, uh, Democrat, Republican, whatever, and what have you. If you are over-nurturing your child in any way, you are hurting them you're hurting them as much as if you were hitting them with a stick you are hurting them i read an article it's talking about that today's parents seem to be more concerned about their kids happiness than they are about their morality that their ever that their decisions their goals and everything they do is 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 pushed by the desire to, is my kid happy right now or not rather than, is my child making good choices and being someone of strong moral fiber or not? And you see the difference right away. And and when I read this, it helped me so much to understand what was wrong with parents today. Early in my career, um, here in Florida anyway, about five years ago, when I first changed jobs, I had somebody come up to me and said, my child is is being called a bully. They did a They did a a school-wide survey, and my son's name came up on more than three or four people's list as someone that bullies them. And so I started asking her all the traditional questions that were, in my experience, causes of people to be bullies. I said, you know, is there anybody bullying him? Is he being abused? Has anything major changed in your life? Is your husband around? Did he leave? Uh, how's his relationship with his siblings and over and over and over, I was assured that everything was fine. And I believe that I absolutely do. As, as time went by, I got to know the family better. And I, I began to understand that there was something that was, you know, there was nothing quote unquote wrong other than a general dislike of authority. But when I read this article, it all clicked into place. I realized that this mother her number one goal number one was to make her kids happy and that sounds good it really does and i think it should be one of the top things you know to make your to help your kid enjoy life that that's great that's a great goal but it shouldn't be number one what happens when you choose happiness over morality is you get a kid that from birth all the way up to where they are now, and I keep referencing birth and toddlerism and all the way up, is that kid never, ever, ever learns one simple truth, that the world does not revolve around you. Babies, yes, the world revolves around the baby. But as you get older, somehow or another, you you do train your children that they are not the center of the universe, that there are other people that they need to be concerned about, as much as we're concerned about them, that there is other people's feelings to consider. But when your goal is to make your kid happy all the time, they never learn that. They learn what you teach them is that they are the most important thing in the family. That what they want is number one. And even when they go to school, they realize my enjoyment of this situation is premier. It is the number one thing. So even my friendships, I'm going to pick kids that make me happy. Well, James, wouldn't everybody do that? Yeah, but I'm talking about friendships that serve them instead of real friendships where friends serve each other. Mutual benefit. They, they give more than they take is, is, a, is a true friendship. But typically these kids find people that will just be their followers, which is not a friend. Also, the kids that are not their friends need to also benefit them and make them happy. And human nature is such that it is much more fun to poke poke somebody with a stick than it is to give them a glass of water. Well, James, I would never poke a friend with a stick or a person with a stick. I would give them a glass of water first. Absolutely. But deep, 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 deep down in our screwed up selves, I didn't say what was right. I said, what was more fun? It's not fun to give somebody a glass of water. It's a lot of fun to poke somebody with a stick, especially if you're a kid. And so bullying becomes a very natural reaction. Anyone that's not my friend, that's not serving purposes to me, and it's not making me happy, will make me happy because I will manipulate the situation around me because I am the center of the universe, because my mom taught me that. Whereas morality says, ultimately, that there is a God. He's bigger than all of us, so no matter how big you are, there's always someone to answer to. But even in the microcosm, even without God, because in my family my kids know about god but they serve me right now they they can't really believe i you know she's 9 i think she's got it but jay doesn't really understand god right now he understands me and later what he understands about me will translate into what he believes about god you think i'm lying everybody that has an issue with god <laughs> Most of the time in my pastoral experience, it has been because they've had an issue with their folks. And that is because in the microcosm, I'm God first. And, and, and then, and then they learn, you know, how to, how to relate. Sounds weird, but it's just the truth. It's what I've found. That's why we're told in the Bible to train up a child in the way she goes. So when he is old, he will not depart from it. Childhood is a training session practice it's practice i used to tell my kids in shoner's church um i when i was a kid i never saw the connection between t- childhood and and teenagehood and teenagerhood into adulthood i never could see the connection cuz when you're in high school you think i can do anything i want and then later change but I can make it really practical for you. If you're someone that doesn't clean your room and you're a messy slob when you're a kid, you're probably going to be a messy, nasty slob when you're in middle school and then in high school, then in college and then into adulthood. Why? Because you've practiced it. You've become very good at being a slob. Some people change and they practice not being slobs. And so they grow up and become clean people. Some people have habits that they have to break. I, Bit my fingernails to the quick until I was well into my late 20s, early 30s. Isn't that ridiculous? It was a nerves thing. It was just a habit from a weird childhood. And I quit. I just one day quit. I had to quit. It's not natural to quit. Just quit. It's possible to change. But it's unnatural to change like that. So what do you do? You find, you look at your kids, you have that vision in your head of what you want them to be. I have a vision for each one of my children. I want them to be the best version of themselves possible. I believe that when a kid is born, they are not born perfectly. That their personality is not perfect. It is not. It is tainted and tarnished and like, I don't know, like a stone with a, with a diamond in the middle. There, there are chunks that are going to be, need to be chiseled off. In my daughter's case, she is very strong, very awesome, very outgoing, very talented, uh, knows no fear. And those are all positives because we made them that way. Because everybody's greatest gift is usually their biggest flaw as well. Because when she was little, she was hard-headed. She knew no fear. It was hard to make her obey. And she had a temper that would peel paint off the walls. There were times that I had to hold her down to keep her from throwing herself down the stairs. She would just freak out. I don't know what it was. It was like a year and a half, somewhere in there. She just had these, these series. And then even later on, when that stopped, it was, I want to go here. I want to go. And she just could not accept, you know, uh, the consequences And I had to sit there and let her scream, I want to go, I want to go, I want to go. After she had every opportunity to go, but chose not to do the thing. I think it was like, put on your dumb shoes or something. So she sat there and screamed for 45 minutes and I wanted to choke her neck, (laughs) but I didn't. I just stayed there because in that case, the consequences were already there. They were exaggerated. I did not need to do anything else. I just had to tune her out for a little while. And uh, I'm telling you, people people talk about Jenna and they and they and, and they compliment us on her, and I always take it. I take a compliment every time because I'm like, yes, thank you, because she did not come out that way. If my child had had a different set of parents, based on happiness, my my daughter would be the most manipulative, mean, um, crafty. Uh, very talented and all that, but she would use them all to get what she wanted from people and she wouldn't be a true friend. But as it is, she is respected by her peers, by her teachers, um, by everyone that comes across her. And, um, and I love that. I love that. And, and I don't have to work very hard now. Like I said earlier, I can sit her down and tell her what I want from her. And nine times out of 10, the behavior changes. Why? Because we have an established system and she knows that when I say something, I mean it. So that leads me to the third thing about parents. We've talked about the parents that are, you know, I don't know, that don't want to discipline, that want to be friends. We've talked about the parents that over nurture and don't want to punish. Now we have to talk about the parents that, um, I don't know that it's a style of parenting. It's just this thing that I see all the time. It's this, it's the, I have no control over you. So I'm going to threaten you kind of crap where the kids know that the parents mean nothing that they say, and they're not going to follow through with anything. Saw this. I see this at Disney world a lot and at stores and things. Uh, I love this one. I saw some. Parents having trouble with their kid and the kid was freaking out at Disney World, which I will never understand. I've told my kids if you freak out at Disney World, I, I will go, we will go home immediately. Because if you can't be happy at the happiest place on earth, dear lord. And I understand it. They get over tired and they get over stimulated, but this kid was just being a flat out butthole. And the parent to try to reel this kid in said, if you don't stop this right now we will not come back the next three days apparently they had a you know five-day trip or something and the kid just kept right on wailing why because first of all immediately you know that there's a pattern of behavior here the parent never follows through secondly mom you or dad you went to the extreme you went for the worst thing you could imagine and it's so outlandish, it would punish not just a child, but every single person on the trip. And it's so ridiculous that even the kid knows it. And, and I've heard parents do this on, on the toy aisle. I've heard them do it at church. You know, we're going to go out to eat with sister so-and-so, and we've got it all planned out. So little Billy starts freaking out and hitting people. Billy, if you don't stop, we're not going to go out with the folks and the people and stuff. And Billy knows better now. Nah, Billy knows that you're not going to go home and make dinner versus, you know, just because he was bad. <laughs> he doesn't care. He didn't care if you do. He doesn't even like sister. So-and-so that you're eating with. So here, here's my, here's my suggestion. Um, again, have a, have a vision of what you want your kid to be and then have, have a, uh, have a, an understanding of what is expected behavior what is you know slash good behavior what is rewardable behavior and then on the other end of the spectrum what is what is below good what is below cuz above is great below anything i have a minimum standard have a minimum standard you have a maximum standard which um is is good you know above anything above good is great have have a low end the minimum requirements of my kid for instance in my car, is you will sit in your seat buckled in your belt, period. And you're not going to scream and shine flashlights in the rear your mirror. Boom. Pretty minimal. Pretty minimal. But in my gro- when I was growing up, my brothers would unclick their belts and run around the car and do all kinds of stuff. And nobody would ever do anything about it, even though they wanted them in the seatbelt. So minimum thing. If, if my kids do it, Great. They don't even hear from me. I'm not going to sit there and say thank you for putting on your belts every single time. I mean, it's just expected behavior. If they don't do it, it's like, hey, put on your belt. And then if they, for some reason, they never would, but I don't want to put on my belt. You're a butthole, you know. Then it's time for the whoopings for Jay. Jen is too old now. Um, whoopings, no matter what you feel about them, uh, they work if they're done properly. If they're not abusive. And if you know they're not hard, you don't have to be hard to 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 get your point across. Secondly, they're a lot faster. You can properly raise a child without it. I, I believe that, um, but it's a lot faster. <laughs> and again, if your job is to exaggerate the consequences, um, a little pain uh, is not going to hurt anything. I'll tell you why. Uh, my example is always the candle. Imagine a candle by your bed, and you're sleeping. You roll over and your hand goes over the candle. The The candle burns your hand. Ow, you pull back and you are fine. You got a little singe, but you're okay. Woke you up. Well, imagine, I mean, the, that so, so the candle saved your life. I mean, the, the pain did rather. Saved your life because if you didn't have the pain, if you didn't have that discomfort, you would lay there and catch on fire and burn to death and you'd never wake up. Um, so in, in my opinions and the way I run things, and if you judge a tree by its fruit, then, then I'm doing good. Um, discipline or especially whoopings or, or, you know, verbal, uh, or consequences, you know, and, and just different things like that. They are the pain. They're that little bit of pain that keeps a kid from the big pain, the big hurt in the, in the big world. Um, the rules and regulations that we follow typically keep us alive because the extreme end of the big world is there is life on one end and death on the other, okay? We do things that help us stay alive. We breathe, you know, like I said earlier, or we can suck water down our lungs and die, okay? so But in the microcosm, it's good and bad. It's not life and death. But if I wanted to lift that for just a second and say, I could say that discipline ultimately is the – discomfort that keeps you from death because in the microcosm, there's not a child in the world that is in danger of losing their life. If well, you know, in normal circumstances for, for being, you know, misbehaving. Um, but when they grow up and if they learn that there are no rules and there is no, you know, that I'm the center of the universe, that I have no ability to think of other people outside of my own needs there, you know, there is a likelihood Especially if you live in the inner city where I worked for so many years, there's a likelihood that you are going to grow up and become someone that that hurts other people. In the in the upper middle class uh, world, it's more that you're going to grow up and be someone that uses other people or or tries to partner with someone that you cannot connect with in a marriage like thing. And you know that's why people. Uh, I think, get married and and, and disconnect from each other is, is because they've never learned to be selfless. Um, they get into a situation in a marriage uh, to benefit them because happiness is is number one. It doesn't matter about morality. It doesn't matter about common sense. Guys, this is 50 minutes, 34 seconds so far. It's quite a, quite a long one, but you know, yeah, it's something I'm passionate about, something I probably should have broke down into segments, but You don't want to go for the, for the worst punishment, (laughs) you know, have some things in mind, have some things in mind, uh, that you can take away. If you're a good parent and you, and you do things with your children naturally automatically, if you watch movies with them, if you take them places and do things with them, um, you've automatically got things that you can punish them with that aren't painful. They are the lack of good you know what I'm saying? Um, like, I don't know, uh, you know, if your kids used to, uh, I don't know why, like, not like my kids. Okay. Every other day they get some time to watch television. Um, that is a benefit and it's a normal thing for them and they, they enjoy it and they have to clean their rooms for it, but it's the first thing to go. So what I'm saying is you got benefits built in that you can take away and that way you, you're punishing them, um, but you're not, you know, and it hurts them, I guess, you know, but but it doesn't hurt them. You know what I'm talking about? Then you have punishments on the other end. So have, have don't go all the way to we're leaving Disney World forever. Don't ever do that. You know, you, you, the equivalent of that in children's ministry was I'm going to go get your mom. And and people would go to that all the time, and then I'm like, well, now you have to go get their mom because otherwise you're a liar, and they're never going to ever believe anything you said again. And so you go get the mom, and the mom's pulled out of church, and she's like, what? Well, he was tapping his pencil. He was tapping his pencil. And and you sound like an absolute idiot. Well, it's the same thing. That guy at at, at, uh, at Disney World sounded like an idiot. You know, we're gonna cancel all four. You know, we spent thousands of dollars, but we're going to stop it because you are having a fit. No, you're not. You're a liar. And your kid knows it. You're teaching your kid to ignore you. You're giving them practice to believe that people in authority are not what they claim to be. So what I used to tell folks is you have to have steps. You have to have steps. First one in in our children's church was you get a verbal warning. You know, you get told. This is the expected behavior. You're doing this. We want you to do this. And then you tell them, next step is you're going to get a timeout. It's going to be one minute for every year you've been alive. So you're 10. You're going to be sitting there for 10 minutes. And you go, and you, and oh, oh, Billy's tapping his pencil again. Okay, so now it's time to follow through, put him in timeout. He sits there for 10 minutes. He comes back. He's tapping his pencil again. Well, we've, we've told him uh, before. I forgot my little step here. But we tell him if you're tapping your pencil again, we're going to have to have a talk outside in the hallway. So now it's time for us to have that little talk. And it usually involved me. They would pull me in at that point. And I would tell them, okay, now you need to stop ha- tapping your pencil. Uh, well, just take it away from him. No, that's not teaching him anything. You know, he, he's got to learn that to have a pencil, it's, <laughs> that's not the problem. Um, so we're going we're gonna to teach him. So I, I tell him, you know, you need to stop tapping your pencil. Or, um, the very next thing that we have to do is we got to involve your folks. So it's completely up to you. You can walk away tonight and your folks will never know that you've done all these things that you've disrespected your, your teacher, that you, uh, you know, have had to, had to talk to me and all this kind of stuff. If you straighten up, you can fly straight and you can get out of this. But if you continue the behavior, we're going to get your folks. Well, then he goes in and taps his pencil again, let's say, well, then, then when I go get mom, what do he do? Well, let me tell you, first thing he did is he tapped his pencil and my, and my leader told him, please stop. And and he acted like he would, but then he didn't, he didn't, he disrespected my teacher and started tapping a pencil again. So they put him in timeout for 10 minutes. And about that time, mom's face starts getting a little haughty. She's getting mad. She's getting upset. Why? Because I'm laying out a case. I don't sound like a madman. because I didn't go straight to, I'm going to get mom for you tapping your dumb pencil. Well then mom, um, they had to come get me because he, he was just straight up looking right in their face and tapping that pencil on the table. And, and I told him that I was going to go get you. I even gave him the option saying, you know, I'm not even going to tell them if you can straighten up. And so not only did they, you know, am I establishing that disrespect disrespected the teacher and they disrespected me, the pastor, the disrespected mom. And by the time I tell them that, yeah, Billy was tapping his pencil. I don't sound like an insane person. I have laid out an obvious lack of, of, uh, respect issues. I mean, there's multiple issues. And, um, and then at that point, mom hopefully does whatever she do and, uh, the behavior changes. And if it doesn't, it's, it's, you know, wash, rinse, repeat. Well, at home, I kind of have the same thing. I don't have it written down like I used to, uh, for children's church, but I definitely start with a verbal warning. And then after that, it's to your room, you know, just go to your room, and I know I talked about Go To Your Room earlier, but my kids don't have a television or as much as a radio or any devices. They're, they're not allowed to use um, – Jenna does have a Kindle that I think recently died. But she's not allowed to use that thing outside of book reading in her room. Everything else that it can do has to be outside of her room. Um, and she has not given me any reason to think she's breaking that rule as of yet. My son, though, all he's got is Legos and whatever. And, and, you know, when they're in trouble, all they want to do is sit in their bed and they don't, they don't feel like playing or you know, anything. So the consequence works for, especially for a step three. Well, if they're in there pitching a fit, screaming, having a, a problem, Jay, Jay, my son, he, he's six, he melts down pretty good. And sometimes though it's tainted with a little bit of anger. And that's when I walk in and I tell him, look, I put you in this room. Next step is a whoop down. You know, I'm just, I'm going to have to do this if you cannot pull it together and straighten up because all I wanted to do was have you do blah, 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 And you couldn't do that. And I told you, and I put you in your room and now, now, now you're going crazy. Now you're going insane and you got a whole nother issue because I was only upset about this. You lied or you, you didn't do this or whatever it was, but now now you're having this, this, uh, this anger and you're, you're upset at me for punishing you, uh, and expecting you to do your best. And I don't understand that. I don't want that. So straighten up and stop being mad. Stop being angry, accept your punishment, or you're going to get a spanking. And you know, it works most of the time. And if it doesn't, it'll pop, pop. Like I said, it's 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 uh, not that I'm, I'm making apologies or anything for it. I I um I always imagine my critics listening, and they're and they're thinking back to their childhood when they were beaten, and I was beaten. I was beaten quite a bit uh, to the point I couldn't walk for two or three days, and I still believe in spanking because done properly, it's amazing and quick, <laughs> and uh, it, it definitely works. Uh, the proof is in the pudding with my kids. Um, but done improperly and done in anger, you know, if you're doing it out of anger, if you're doing it out of, with no control, with no idea of what you're going to do before you do it. Um, like with my kids, the maximum is three, three little swats. And, um, the minimum of course being one You can't do less than one. You can't do a half swat. Uh, I, you can do one and a half swats, I guess still counts as one but the max is three. So even if I were, you know, on the spur of the moment, which, you know, you don't do, I just, I send them to the room. That gives me time to cool down, gives them time to either accept it or go nuts. (laughs) But, um, and then, and then the whoop down, um, I've never had to move beyond that except in the, in the case of my, my daughter, like I said, when she was like one or two, when she just went through this phase where she just lost her ever freaking mind and I'd literally have to lay down on top of her and just talk to her um, to keep her from just tearing up a room or, or jumping off. I mean, just, just insane. I mean, she'd just lose her ever loving mind. It was a, a head scratcher for sure. But I think it was her will. I think she had a very strong will and she still does. That's the thing. People say, Oh, you don't want to hurt their little personalities. Well, that's the assumption is that they're perfect. They're not perfect and they do need to change. And they're, And and is your personality perfect? Mine's not. I'm a full grown man. Am I still got room to grow and change? Do I have habits that need to go away and things that I need to add to my life? Absolutely. Absolutely. So why do we think kids are that way? Oh, they start off perfect and then they get, you know, torn up by the world. No, no. They're born selfish creatures by default, and we have to help them. There's a time that that's fine, but my point is we got to help them turn into people that care about others more than themselves. And the way we do that is being people that care about others more than ourselves. And we parent, we parent that way. Not that our kids are more important than us. Not that their needs are more important than us. Okay, we and, and don't mishear me. I'm, I'm, we sir, you know, we we live to take care of our children. We love them. We, we meet their needs and all that kind of stuff. But if I'm ready to go to bed and they want to get up and have a party, their needs or their wants do not outweigh mine. And they will do, I will do what is necessary to make sure they go to bed and, and shut up so that, you know, I can, me and my wife can sleep because ultimately it's in their best interest. I go on all day but I'm not going to. I guess this was just a big old fat rant about parenting styles and, and all that, you know, these people that can't let their kids go. And then the, the and then, there's, there's kids that people that don't seem to care two craps about their kid. There's people that try to make their kids happy. And then the, in, in their kids are miserable because they have no structure. They're not taught to respect anyone you know you know what what is what is more fun is it more fun to get or to give well a happy kid is going to be taught that getting getting is the most important thing that's the funnest part that's why you go to these parties these days i didn't understand it for a while but go to these parties and they don't open presents you know why because first of all the the kid opening the gifts is probably going to pitch a fit i already got one of these cuz he doesn't know how to act nobody has taught him all right, hun, you're going to get some presents. There's going to be people watching and you need to act grateful. You need to realize, even if you don't like it, even if it's something you already have, they went to the store, they spent money on it. You can trade it in later, blah, 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 but you're going to be grateful. You're going to say, thank you. You're going to look them in the eye because, oh, Jenny, you teach them to be fake? absolutely freaking lutely I'm teaching them to be moral. Teach them to be right. Treat them to be nice. And then later they can... Take the piece of crap to the store and trade it out. We do it too. But you'd be nice. You, you respect other people's feelings above your own. And then you got the kids, the audience. You can't open gifts in front of them because, oh my goodness, they're going to be jealous. They're, you know That's going to hurt their feelings. Oh, I wanted one of those. Can we go to the store and get one of those? <laughs> no. No. No, we can't. You need to shut up. <laughs> this is not your party. I don't know. When, when, when I was a kid, we didn't even treat bags. Now I got treat bags. Everybody gets a treat bag and that's fine. That's fine. That's great. That's great. But this uh, not being an open presence thing is, is ridiculous because it used to be the favorite part of the party for me. Even when I was, I mean, I'm thinking when I wasn't the kid opening the presents, watching what other kids got and seeing the expression on the kid's face when they opened mine, but nobody knows how to behave anymore. Everybody's concerned about their own happiness. And so every gift it's judged based on how I feel about it, whether you're the opener or the giver. Ugh what kind of world are we gonna become as if grown ups aren't self centered enough every every year when when the you know the uh, black Friday crap, you know, and you hear about people trampling each other over, over stuff. You know why? Cause they're selfish. We're all selfish. I'm not even just saying them. I know I'm selfish. That's why I don't go. I know it would be way too easy for me to get involved in that junk and get carried away and just push and shove and all that kind of stuff. So I, it sickens me. So I stay away from it. I would not put myself in a situation that would make it easy for me to, I don't know, exaggerate the darker side of, of me. You know, same reason I don't go to other, other things. I'm not going to a strip club. You know, I don't have to deal with temptation if I don't go, you know, a hundred other different things like that. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm off track. So anyway, hour and five minutes, I'm going to shut up. Um, thanks for listening. This is the GOK. If I have a GOK statement, it would be this train up a child in the way they should go in the way they should go. You have to have a customized plan for every single one of your kids. Every personality makes it different, but you can have base standards for each one of them that are the same human Basic standards. You are going to eat a certain amount of your food. You are going to sit here until the meal is over. You are going to wash yourself once a day. You are going to brush and floss. And you know a hundred other different things that you can demand from them. But even more than that, when you say something, mean it. And when you say something and you mean it, Make sure that it's not crazy talk. Make sure you're in control. Know what you do in advance. What are your punishments? What are your benefits? What is good behavior? What is punishable behavior? In the microcosm of your family, your children, between their home, their church, or place of worship, their school, their extracurricular activities, and I said friends earlier, but you could also say neighborhood. In that world, what can we do to exaggerate the consequences of both good and bad behavior and teach our kids value morality above happiness? That article, just, just this tad little bit more, that article went on to say that when kids never feel sad, they never learn empathy. Kids need to experience sadness, just like they experience Happiness. How in the world do they learn to feel sorry for other people, to care about other people, if they never feel sorry for them? If they never have to face that. I mentioned earlier my daughter screaming, I want to go, I want to go. It was some deal she didn't do, so she didn't get to go to the gym with my wife and sit in in the play place. I mean, that was just her thing at the time. She loved doing it. She didn't put on her dumb shoes, so she didn't go. It's a stupid thing, but she learned and we never had to deal with that again. And to this day, shoes are not an issue, but if she never, if I never allowed her to experience the unhappiness of that, if I felt sorry for her and wanted her to just be happy, I would get her shoes and I would put them on her and she would fight me and cause it was fun. And then we would go and she would s- celebrate her victory over me by sliding down slides. And then the next time it was time to go put on your shoes. Why? Because I rewarded her last time. I not only didn't give her consequences. I rewarded her by putting on her shoes for her. Why would I ever need to put on my shoes again? My mom will do it for me. My dad will do it for me. It's amazing. I can manipulate my way through life. This is what I'm learning. Don't let your kids, or don't, don't, shouldn't they don't let, they don't, they don't create the situation you do, but don't allow and don't make a, a life for them that, that, you know, if you're not going to punish them, at least don't reward them for bad behavior. At least that make them stay home and deal with the consequences. No, they're not going to be happy. But if happiness dictated everything we did, we wouldn't even give our kids, uh, inoculations and shots and things that they need. And I know there's people that think all that's bull crap and they're crazy. They're absolutely nuts. I'll just say it. I believe it because, uh, maybe not every single one of them is necessary, but polio sucks and I'm glad it's gone. And, and some people aren't getting vaccinated and the crap's coming back and kids are dying And, uh, I think honestly, you just don't want to sit there and hold your kid while they get a needle stuck in their arm. And, um, so, you know, and I know some of you think it causes uh, autism and all that kind of stuff, and that's fine. Do what you got to do. But for me in my house, a little bit of pain that keeps them from death, a little bit of discomfort that keeps them from bad behavior, a little bit of, um, of a, of a reward that promotes great behavior. set balance in the microcosm. Underneath, for us, the, the umbrella of a loving God that provides a reward for those who honor him and who live for him and allow what Jesus has done for them to, to change their heart. And on the other end, for people that reject that and say, no thanks, I'll do things my own way. Uh, There is a consequence. So how can a loving God do that? I don't know. But I love my kids. I love my kids so very, very much. And I love them too much to let them grow up the way they want to. I'm going to shape them and mold them and change them. And teach them how to overcome their weaknesses and to use their strengths for the good of those around them first. And I'm going to tell you, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, come talk to me. It will have happened short of an act of God or something like that, as they say. But the plan is to have great kids. So they'll have great kids because I want great grandkids. I don't want butthole grandkids so I figure if I raise my kids right, they'll raise their kids. Right. And then I'll actually love my grandkids. And when I take them to target or the hollow sphere or whatever the freak they have amazon.com and I give them three credits or 70,000 credits, whatever the deal is, they, they, uh, and I, and I tell them we're getting something Lego. Lego by the way, because I am your grandfather, and I want to buy you something Lego. See, it gives them the the boundaries. They can't make up their mind. Oh, nope. Oh. All right, well, you, you need to have your mind made up in like five minutes because we're leaving. Okay, it's three minutes now, buddy. You got something? You got two things there. You got to put one back. Okay, we got 60 seconds, partner. You got to be gone. You got to be because if you can't pick one you got to put both down. We'll come back some other time, but you won't be able to get anything today. All right, good job, man. You got it. Let's go. Or All right, man. Put them back. Put them back. No. No. Time's up. Time's up. You can't get them both. I'm sorry. Grandpa's got to go. Grandpa has to pee. Grandpa can't pee in a normal bathroom. He has a has a tube. So we got to go. All right, you got one? Good. All right, that's fine. It's fine. Or, (laughs) one more. Okay, you can't pick between the two. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, buddy. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Your time is up. And I thought bringing you here was going to make you happy. When I, when I said, I'm going to, you know, you did some work around the house. You got this money. We're going to go out and buy something. I was like thinking Leroy is going to love this. It's going to be fun. And then later we'll put together the Lego thing back at the house and, and all this kind of stuff at the old folks home that I'm going to be in. And, and, and you know what? It did not make you happy. It made you absolutely miserable. Oh my gosh. Weren't you, weren't you miserable? You were, you were just so upset. You were, you were sad about it. It's like, oh, so I don't ever want to do something. It's gonna make you sad, not on purpose. So, I tell you what, you know, sh- show me that we can do this, and then it can make you happy, and then we'll do it again. But, but if you're gonna act like this, Grandpa's not. I'm not. I'm never gonna do this ever again. I I won't. There's no reason to. We'll just sit and watch TV, or you can watch, rub my feet or something. I've literally had this talk with my kid, not the rub my feet part, but you know, when you're at a fun place and you're like Disney world, you cannot, can't get upset at Disney world. All right, I'll shut up.